Welcome to True North Vineyard Podcast, where we share our Sunday gathering messages. True North is a vibrant church plant community located in Traverse City, Michigan area. We are centered in the Bible and follow the example of Jesus praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope that our Sunday gathering messages encourage you to lean into the word of God and compel you to take action. To connect with us, visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Vineyard. What's happening tonight, peeps? How are you? Yeah? Good stuff. Right on. Uh, so I'm continuing in Philippians. I have 10 minutes to preach, so get ready. All right? I'm just kidding. Yeah. The Super Bowl might start, the party might start at 6.30, but you ain't making it, I promise. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so I'm continuing my message through uh, Philippians. We are in the middle of chapter 3, if you want to follow along. Um, Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 16. I covered 10 and 11 uh, in my last message, but I want to reiterate because this is all one thought for Paul, and I really don't want to miss this, what he's trying to get at here. So, uh, But before I get into that, I just want to pray again uh, just for the message and for tonight. So. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for who you are. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that you love us and that you have called us and that uh, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so, Father, I pray that you are just glorified and honored by our time here tonight. And Lord, I ask that you would um, just speak through me and and, uh, help me to set myself aside in every way. And Lord, I pray that you would just be with these people as uh, Jared prayed that you would exhort them, Lord, and that you would bring them close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Steve is a wizard back there, and I love him. Uh, I've named tonight's message, Obtained to Obtaining. And we'll see if you can pick up why here coming up. So here's what Philippians says, uh, starting in 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share, in his, or may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise... God will reveal that to you, or reveal also to you. Only let us be hold true to what we have attained. Okay, there's a couple things I want to draw your attention to in this. Specifically, I think there's two profound things that he mentions. One of those things is, not that I have already obtained this, and I do not consider that I have made it my own. There's a really interesting passage here. Are we all familiar with who Paul is and what he's done? Okay, Paul is a great evangelist who is on fire for the Lord. He just got done saying how his conversion was so impressive from his Judaic ways, forgive me, and that he counts all these things as loss. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, and all these things, a Pharisee, a zealot, so on and so forth. I was blameless under the law. I consider them all loss. And now he goes into this statement. I would be willing to get all that up, and I consider it as lost because I, that I might obtain the resurrection of Christ. Well, this is an interesting thing. Is he not sure of that obtaining? 
what, why would that be the case, right? And why is he using language like already obtained and I have not yet made it my own? That's a really weird thing to me for, for Paul to be saying. So what hasn't he obtained? Let's look at this idea. Has anyone ever uh, been promised something and you agree to the terms of this promise, you do this thing, and then you receive the reward? Has that ever happened? Has any of you ever done that in any capacity? Could be even a business contract. Most of us, I think, could say yes, right? Okay, if that be the case, what do you think salvation is? What do you think a life in Christ is? It is exactly the same thing. There's a promise that has been made between the two of us, right? Both Christ and I, Christ and you. There's this recognition of if you follow me and if you stay in me, there is a reward that you will reap at the end. Of course, this is what Paul's talking about. This is the thing that I have not yet attained, but that I am striving towards, right? Because he loves who God is and what he's done for him. Now, the promise has been made, and this isn't really relevant. So any of us who call Christ king, any of us who have given our lives to the Lord, are able to recognize this is a promise that has been made for us. Now we are striving towards the goal, right, as Paul kind of talks about here. So I want to paint a picture of what the Christian life kind of looks like, and I'm going to use some analogies. So let's talk about marriage. Marriage. What's at the beginning of a marriage? Somebody tell me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The vows, the wedding, right? The beginning, the ceremony, right? That's the beginning of marriage. What happens in the middle? Anniversaries, living life, moving through, you know, all these things that happen. Maybe children, maybe moving, maybe houses, whatever. But that's being married, the act of it, right? And we attain that fullness at the end. We have been married if we stay married. That is the whole point. We get the fruition of that thing. Let me look at another uh, thing. How about a career? How many of you recognize what, a, what happens at the beginning of a career? We get hired. Once we're hired, then we have to do what? Work the job, right? Exactly. Maybe there's, maybe there's promotions. Maybe there's not. doesn't matter. Maybe I do whatever it is I'm called to do in this job. But if I don't do my job, what happens? I get fired, right? And I don't want to make this exact one-to-one correlation to salvation, but I just want to, again, paint this picture. And what happens at the end of your career? What do you hope for? Retirement. Yeah, absolutely, right? I did all of these things for a goal, and that goal, much like salvation, is I live this life for you, Lord, so that I might attain a future with you. That is my goal because I love you. That's the goal, right? Okay, and the last thing I want to look at is race. Paul uses race idea all the time. How many of you watch the Olympics? How many of you watch track and field? I love the track and field racing. Just as my thing, okay? For whatever it's worth. <laughs> At the beginning of the race, what do you see everybody do? Line up in the, in the starting line. At the blocks, right? They get these blocks, and they're in the starting line. It's the beginning of the race. Gun, pow. They take off, right? Beginning of the race. What happens when they stop? They lose the race. They don't even finish the race. Right, that never happens unless they get hurt. But my point is, you got the blocks, then you have the laps. They're going around the circle, right? They're doing it however many times they have to do it to get to, get to the end of the race. And once they get to the end of the race, they cross the finish line. Absolutely. This is what Paul is talking about, right? He's in the middle of the race. He's saying, I have not obtained it yet. I'm striving to get to that point. That is my hope that I attain that, that I do not quit the race. He uses that in other places. So 
All right. So one of the things I really want to do, uh, we're going to go to the Hebrews passage, Steve. Uh, one of the things I really want to do is uh, is this. Paul is pointing out the idea of keeping the eye on the prize. Okay. If we take the idea of that racer, what do they what do they have to do? They have to visualize. They have to look at that end goal. They have to say, there is where I'm going. That's the place that I must get to. This is only the beginning. When they're in the middle of that race, it's still the end of it that they're trying to get to, right? That's the whole point. So I want to look at a couple ideas. Um, one of the things is we must, Paul says in, in this passage, forget what lies behind. This is a really intriguing you know, idea to me because uh, you, you hear so much about learning from the past and these ideas and so on and so forth. And I don't want to get carried away one way or the other. But Paul's saying forget what is behind. Why is he saying forget what is behind? This is, this is the writer of Hebrews kind of, I think it speaks a little bit to this, and I just want to read this to you guys. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 and 24 says, Let us hold fast uh, the confidence, wow, sorry. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Keeping the eye on the prize, right? That idea of what we're trying to accomplish within this life. There cannot be a misunderstanding as to what we're doing as a Christian, right? We can't just start the race. It's not good enough for us. That's a big deal. That's what Paul's trying to point out here. Like, this is a, this is a real thing that each one of us has to focus on, right? Okay. We are called to look where? Forward. We're called to look forward. There's a reality to what we're doing here. Because would any of you say that you have attained it? I have reached it. This is the end. I'm here. This is what God intended for the end of all things. No, nobody's going to say that, right? We know that there is a perfection that is to come, that we are hoping to live in because of what and who Christ is. That's the point. Okay. So I just want to make sure we're not missing out on that. So looking ahead, in the Gla uh, I'm going to pull up this Galatians passage. Will you pull that up, Steve? This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church, not the Philippian church. And he says, uh, Galatians 6, 8 through 10, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. There's a really intriguing thing that he's speaking about in here, and that's something that me and Jesse always like to talk about, is flesh versus spirit. And we've <laughs> Just recently, we were having this discussion the other night. Flesh versus spirit. What does this mean? How is this like a real thing in our, in our life? Was he talking about to reap to the flesh or to reap to the spirit? And there's a reality to living a life that must be to gratify the spirit. And that looks like submitting ourselves not to the flesh, but to the spirit, to what God has intended for our lives. That's running the race. It's essentially when we go out on that track and we're running the race, we've started the race, we get one lap around and then we turn around and start running the other way. We're not heading towards the goal. That's when we start to submit to the flesh. Right, And this is not just a metaphorical thought process. These are actual realities. We will either live in such a way that we choose Christ and what he's desired for our lives and live by the Spirit, 
or we will choose the other way. And that looks like, as I've said before, a 180 turning. Can you imagine that thought process? If you were watching the Olympics and one of the racers, after the first lap, stopped, turned around, and started running the other way. <laughs> like this is, I mean, this is how absolutely profoundly ridiculous it is when we think that we have justification to do what we want to do within the flesh. Now, I'm not trying to make it a whole thing on it must be acts and you must be doing the right thing and you have to work your way to heaven. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you love the thing you've chosen to dedicate yourself to, you will run in such a way as to win the prize, as Paul states. And that's, that's the key. That's the thing that he's trying to really pull out here. So I want to look forward as to, uh, actually, before I do that, how many of you have ever watched any sporting event from high school? Anything. Cool. All right. We've all done that. Good. Glad to hear. How many of you have watched a professional sporting event? Which we're going to do tonight, maybe. Okay. Is there any difference at all? <laughs> Dumb question, right? Okay. So I just want to point out to you, what makes the difference? Why is there a difference between those high school sports and these professional sports? Why is there any differentiation? Experience, dedication, money. Is that, is that what I said? Yeah, 100%. I could try a lot harder, too, if I was getting paid like that. So, no. But, uh, but in reality, there is something that these professional athletes have continued in, right? They have dedicated themselves to something, and that something looks like what they do. This is really important. There is a next-level understanding, okay, because that's where they've gone. So I want to look at the mature athlete in my metaphor here as we're continuing on. The mature athlete, who knows better uh, when it comes to living life, a four-year-old or a 40-year-old? I'm really making these things easy for you guys. These are like, you know, t-ball, okay? You know, the 40-year-old, absolutely, though I guarantee you the four-year-old is convinced they get it. They know what's best, right? <laughs> This is a big deal. That four-year-old is as convinced as the 40-year-old as to what might be the right way to live life. Okay, hold that in your head, right? Let's talk about what Paul is saying here. This is self-reflection time, in case you're wondering. Don't answer these things for me. Answer these things for yourself. Okay, I'm going to spitfire through a couple different uh, passages, and then I'm going to ask a question after each one. So if you go to the 1 Corinthians passage, thanks. Okay, here's what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3.11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. He's talking about Christians. Let me just be clear about this, okay? So each one of us who calls Christ King and Lord of their life and loves them for the hope of salvation, this is the hope. So my question to you is, am I thinking this way? Don't answer me. Answer for yourself, okay? That way you can be honest. You don't have to lie to me. That You can lie to yourself. All right? All right, moving forward. All right, here's the next one. The writer of Hebrews, he says this uh, in uh, chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Note the same note here. Different author 
Same vein. This is a really big deal, okay? So my question to you becomes, do you care to be mature and taken seriously? This is a real big deal, right? This is actually what we're called to, is maturity in Christ. I want that to sink in for just a little bit. You remember that four-year-old who is so sure how to live life? We've all been that four-year-old Christian at some point, or maybe I still am. Let me be clear. I'm willing to say that that could be me, right? I'm, I'm going to humble myself here as much as I can and try not to put myself out of proportion. But this is a reality, okay? I want you to recognize an answer for yourself. Do you care whether you will become mature in Christ? This is that middle part of that race. When it starts to get hard, when you're sucking wind and your legs are tired and you're like, man, I got a whole nother lap to go. This is what we're talking about. This is what's happening right now, okay? So, last thing I want to put up here is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, because I've been tearing at you a little bit. I want to build you up. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, right? They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Whoa. This is a big deal. Like, what's Paul even saying here? Is God going to turn his face from him? Is he going to say, nah, you weren't good enough. You didn't run the race hard enough. That's not, is that what he's saying? Would anybody think so? No. God's, his side of the equation is perfect. It's our side of the equation, whether we run the race as if to attain the prize, that becomes the issue. That's what I'm pointing out to you guys. This is the thing that Paul is saying. I have not yet attained it. That's a big deal. That's what he's hoping for. That's what his hope is laying in, that future glory with Christ. Okay. So, never forget what you have. This is a big deal. This is one of the things that Paul then ends that passage in Philippians with, right? We have, a, uh, we have a promise and a love that cannot be ignored. We must always be motivated by the truth of it. That is what Christ is for us. We have a promise and a love that cannot be ignored. This would be as if somebody in the middle of that race, after finishing the first lap, just stopped. Maybe they didn't turn back, but they just stopped. What a sad thing. They didn't finish the race. John, in, in John, he says, all those who abide in me, I will abide in them. This is what he's talking about. Continue the race. Fight the good fight. Move to the end, right? That's the idea. So, which of you loves the Lord? Don't answer me. Answer this for yourself. Which of you actually loves the Lord, right? And, and I want this to be a thought process that we really think through. Which of you loves the Lord? Uh, I'm going to go to Corinthians here, Second Corinthians. Chapter 4, verse 14, just a small thing. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. This is a real thing. You and I will be able to reap that reward. We will be able to experience the fullness of what we have lived our lives to complete. I really want that to settle in. We actually have a hope. Winning is worth it. That's the whole point because we get to spend eternity with Christ. What an unbelievable thing. It's not that we're not spending that time now with Christ. It's not something that will be utterly separate from what we're doing now. That can't be missed. What we get to experience now is a life in Christ. What we will experience then 
is a life in Christ with perfection. Big difference. It's exciting. That's the goal. All right. I know I'm beating this into your, so I've got, I've got one more here from Hebrews that I think is really relevant. Uh, chapter 10, verse 35 and 36 says, sorry, Steve. I'm going fast for you. I apologize. Uh, it says this, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. This is all we're talking about. This is the hope that you've put yourself into. Now, again, I've beat this thoroughly. I think you guys get the point, right? I'm not, I'm doing it on purpose because all of us have either spent some amount of time, that four-year-old Christian, or a lot of time, that 40-year-old Christian, if you will, in church. We've all heard this. This is an important thing to recognize. It is about the endurance of maintaining to the end that you must seek, that you must desire because of your love of him. It can only be driven by love. I talked last week about, or last time about righteousness, and it is only attainable through Christ. Nothing you can do is actually righteous apart from him. That's really, really, really relevant, and that's the thing I'm talking about here. It is only by him that we can live in such a manner. So don't, here's the, here's the three things, because Mike is an amazing man who reminded me to give you application. So here's three things that you must apply to this understanding. That is, do not forget what you have. Do not forget what you have. Too often we forget why we're running the race. What, 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 was, the, what was the point again? Oh, yeah, I got bills to pay, and, and next week I got to, uh, oh, shoot, I got to take the car in, and the, all the blah, 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 blah. Don't forget what you have. There's a really relevant point to living your life, and it's not to pay the bills, okay? That's a necessary evil. We're talking about what we love, and that's Christ. Number two, don't settle. Run the race. That is a key. Run the race. Don't forget, run the race. Number three, live in such a way as to attain the future with Jesus that you have been promised. That promise will not end on Jesus' half. It will end on your half if you do not choose it because you love him. That's the key. Run the race. All right. I'm really cutting this as fast as I possibly can to get you guys out of here, so forgive me. Here's the end. I want to exhort you in this way. I am reaching back into the Old Testament and pulling out David. Here is a song of David, not Psalms. Whoa, did anybody see that coming? This is from Chronicles, okay? So this is a long, bear with me, but think about this in such a way as David would have been proclaiming it. An ecstatic song because of his love of the Lord and his desire that all people do this exact same thing, okay? So when I read this, think of that idea. And then let it encourage you to do the same thing and to have the same heart. All right, you ready? Steve, you good? Right on, let's go. First Chronicles 16, 8 through 12 says this. Oh God, <coughs> sorry, oh give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory is his na- holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and his judgments he uttered. And then I'm going to drop down to verse 23, and we're going to go to 34. No, that's all right. 
And remember, this is, this is David really, really pouring his heart out to the people, right, in praise. So here's, here's what he said. Oh, I guess I'll wait. Should I wait? Steve, you tell me. Yeah, that's fair. They're singing it. All right, here's what it says. Uh, dropping down to verse 23 through 34. You're fine. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and, let, and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. And for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Amen. So my hope for you is to, is to recognize the thing that you actually have, to not miss it, to live in such a way as to rejoice in the thing that you are doing, to run the race because you love the race, not because you're called to run the race. Because that is the thing that you have dedicated yourself to. That you say, Lord, I want maturity in you. I want to fully experience the love that you have given me. Allow me to reciprocate that love. That's the hope. That's, that's all there is for us. All right. I love you. Let me pray for you and bless you. And then go watch the Super Bowl. Or whatever. Praise the Lord. That's what I want you to do, okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your scriptures that you've given us. We thank you for, um, for your unending love, Lord. We thank you that you are the king of the universe and that you chose us before the foundations of the world were laid. Father, may we run in such a way as to win the prize because of our love for you and not because of what it is that we want out of it. So, Father, I ask that you would be with each one of these people. I pray that you would convict their heart Lord, in such a way that they can't help but draw near to you for all things in their life. When trials come, when joy abounds, no matter what things are, Lord, that they will come to you and say, glory, is your na- glory and holy is your name, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would go with these people. I pray that you would bless them this week. I ask that you would uh, show yourself so abundantly to them that they can't help but re- be reminded of their first love. Lord, that they follow you in all things that they do and that they seek your face and live by the Spirit. Lord, not gratifying the flesh. So, Father, I pray protection over them, and I ask that you would just um, just do this for, for each one of them to show your love. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to the True North Vineyard Podcast. We hope that you are blessed by this message. To connect with us, be sure to visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Family. We hope to see you soon.